0: okay chelsea i found this article while we were going over the intro topic of the last episode not the one i did the one you did it's about the ai right and i am so happy i found this article because it is fantastic it's on futurism.com it is written by a dad love no maybe not i don't know where the name of the i guess it is dad love huh No, sorry, sorry. It's by Maggie Harrison, May 18th, this year, 2023. Title of the article, AI Company says it will perform a seance on your dead loved ones. We're trying to make it sound as magical and as mystical as possible. So AI, once again, coming for those good jobs.
1: It is a good job.
0: As the Greek myth goes, the nymph Eurydice was killed only a few hours after she married the musician Orpheus. Consumed by grief, Orpheus traveled to the underworld to find his late wife, where he played a song so sad that its rulers Hades and Persephone told the musician that he and Eurydice could go back, albeit under one condition. All Orpheus had to do was wait until they were back in the land of the living to turn around and see his bride. But he couldn't wait, and he looked too soon, and Eurydice was forced back into the underworld. Orpheus lost her all over again. Throughout narrative history, from ancient mythology to modern stories like Pets, cemetery bringing lost loved ones back from the dead has been generally regarded as a pretty big no. As the tales will tell bringing the dead back to life will result in the resurrection of some horrible silhouette or at the least a vacant one empty of whatever it was that made that person them. Often the attempt at resurrection destroys a necromancer whether by hand or some macabre force or just the extra heartbreak of losing the loved one twice. Fascinatingly however I'm skipping ahead a bit. That's where an upcoming service called Seance AI, yes, it's actually called that, sets itself apart. It's built by a software development lab called AE Studio, where its creator, a designer named Jaron Brox, isn't shy about the straightforwardness of the product's name. While other companies often talk about the implications of resurrection, Brock leans full tilt into the ghouliness, and according to him, it's very intentional. Quote We're trying to make it sound as magical and as mystical as possible rocks told futurism saying that the name is a call to attention over how advanced large language models have gotten LLMs, our large language models, after all, are convincing simulation. People are forming deep parasocial bonds with them, and at least one person is alleged to have died as a result of their interaction with an AI chatbot. No idea who that is, maybe that's for another article at some point. <laughs> if a user is looking for a final conversation with someone they've lost, maybe it is better to give them a product that blatantly claims to allow them a brief conversation with the deceased, rather than imply that the soul of a dead friend or parent is trapped in chat GBT. Rox also emphasizes the seance's head brevity. Often, after a loss, whatever last words or moments you had with someone good or bad are seared into your memory, and in many cases an accident say, there is often no goodbye at all. Rox likens his product to an AI-generated Ouija board for closure, rather than a means of immortality. Quote, it is essentially meant to be a short interaction that can provide a sense of closure. That's really where the main focus is here. It's not meant to be something super long-term. In its current state, it's meant to provide a conversation for closure and emotional processing. In other words, whatever Seance AI gives you isn't really your loved one. It's just the digital psychic briefly summoning a digital representation of the deceased so that the living can have one last conversation. In fact, the founder even admits that in Seance AI's current state, it can't really hold a long conversation anyways. Quote, For short conversations, I think it feels decently human. I think it falls apart a little bit when you start to pick up repetitions. It's following a pattern, it doesn't really know exactly what's going on. In a demo, Rocks provided for Futurism, Seance AI guided the user through a series of queries about the individual they're trying to reach. Name, age, cause of death, a short list of personality traits the user can adjust to suit their loved one, a space where users can input a snippet of text from the deceased, and the deceased relationship to the users and others. Once that information is given, the cheesiest part of the process, an animated flame greets the user as the chatbot loads. A text box appears and from there you are basically just sending a DM. It's Seance Roleplay meets AOL Instant Messenger. Which, as Rock explained to us, you can soon access yourself for a to-be-determined cost. Though AE Studios had considered charging a monthly subscription fee, Rock says they're now leaning towards a pay-per-session model to deter users from summoning the dead too often. You know, as one does. I think that's far enough into the article. Chelsea, how do you feel about
1: this? not great based on a number of things i don't know i guess ai is just one of those things that are starting to take off so i don't know if this would actually i don't think you should be summoning the dead at all really because who knows what you're doing so i don't know the implications of that in kind of reaching out to an ai with the intention of summoning something and they're saying like this is ai to me it's not actually someone who actually wants to do a seance to do this it's probably more someone that's desperate to contact somebody
0: yeah well and like it does kind of make sense it can take everything that you've ever posted online liked or is associated with your internet footprint to come up with a response that you would likely have that is actually an interesting use of the technology to replace somebody who has died and really becomes a ship of theseus to an extent of if it's responding in the same way you would or is powerful enough to basically take your whole personality into it are you really living on at that point but beyond the idea of this podcast i thought it was just a fun idea
1: yeah no and you bring up a very good point on that as well
0: and another sad example of technology taking the good jobs it'll never be able to tap its toes the way we can though
1: (laughs) no (laughs) tap or blank cracker knuckles
0: cracker toe knuckles in that ever so great way yeah anyhow chelsea are you ready to get into this episode
1: yeah let's do it okay
0: From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where we may not aim to disappoint, but by God, do some of these fantastical conspiracy stories that seem fun at first leave us very little option other than disappointment and genocide. Surprisingly enough, I came up with that before we just did that other episode. (laughs) It was (laughs) written down. We are... You're upset but accepting podcast hosts, Taylor and Chelsea. And today, Chelsea has completely done an episode without me knowing anything about it. So I will just kind of let her My take theme. it from you.
1: I never tell you what I'm doing. And I never heard us summed up so completely well in those two words that I just forgot what they were that you said. But that is us. Disappointed
0: but accepting hosts.
1: Yes, that is us. That is us. <laughs> So I'm on a mission this week with this episode. I don't even know why I'm telling you, because the mission's a secret. It's a journey to the French secret. We're continuing on with the wave theme inspired by Taylor's 1897 airship wave episode. And this episode is mostly about the Hudson Valley UFO wave in the 80s, more specifically between 1982 and 1984. That's the time frame, not more specifically about what the episode is about. In case you're like me and have no idea the region on Earth that the Hudson Valley occupies, This would be the area in and around the Hudson River, which is located in the state of New York in the United States. And the area is about one hour north of New York City. I think that's pretty close to Canada. The sightings were seen not just over the Hudson Valley, but as far east as New Haven, Connecticut, and as far north as Brickfield, Connecticut. The Hudson Valley UFO wave is just easier to say, so I guess they just went with that. I'm not familiar with Connecticut, so I'm not actually sure like how large of an area this is. I don't think it's very big because all those states over there are small.
0: You're aware enough of Connecticut to know how to say it, which is good.
1: Connecticut. Now that the area is established, I can catch you up to speed on the happenings of the way. Basically, there's a bunch of UFOs that got together and over a couple of years, they decided that this was the place to be seen. And boy, were they seen there. That sums it up. I'll give you some sightings. New Year's Eve, 1982. No name, retired. No name again. No name, retired police officer located in Kent, New York, is one of the first to lay eyes on a strange v shaped Boomerang shape. Boomerang.
0: At least in this situation, we have a bit more idea of what he does for a living. It's not just businessman who smells alfalfa. Yeah,
1: it's true. (laughs) That's still so bizarre. I think about that every so often.
0: How did we not get that job? How do you get that
1: job? (laughs) No name police officer. He is laying his eyes on a V-shaped slash boomerang-shaped formation with multicolored lights from his backyard. Lights were red, green, and white and passed over his house at an estimated 500 feet. No name initially thought he was looking at an aircraft in trouble, however, upon second look, he realized that it was moving way too slow and quietly to be an airplane. In fact, the only noise it emitted was a distant humming sound, which, in my opinion, is super creepy and also proved me wrong because, in my mind, UFOs make the sounds that Tesla's electric cars make.
0: Yeah, or as The Simpsons put it, a comb with wax paper over it.
1: Yeah. That works too. No Name made an observation that the lights appearing in a V-shape appeared to be connected by a dark triangular fuselage Inciting. What No Name observed was observed many more times in the Hudson Valley over the next couple of years, and is one of the most widely observed UFO events, accumulating over 5,000 eyewitnesses including quote-unquote incredible witnesses.
0: Named witnesses. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Some of them (laughs) are. And they're including police officers. They're including people from all walks of life. Majority of the witnesses also describe a solid V shaped UFO, often described as being the size of a football field and being made up of a very dark gun gray metal. Can't say I've ever heard of that color before, but somehow I'm picturing it and I know exactly what they're talking about. (laughs) The sightings sound being emitted from whatever it is they're seeing is either silent or humming. UFO sighted seems to glide over large areas causing dozens of sightings in one night and is never spotted during the day. And while most sightings describe the UFOs moving at very slow speed, hovering or turning slowly like a wheel, a few reports describe the object is suddenly zooming away at incredible speeds or just simply blinking out of reality, I guess, just blinking out out, and it's gone.
0: It's kind of described as the exact same seed as the airships, actually. Yeah, it is. Outside of its shape, it actually kind of sounds a lot like it.
1: Yeah, and there's some similarities that I think we will get to. Generally speaking, UFOs and things that are unknown in the sky do tend to act the same. <laughs> in some accounts, the shape varies so that the lights appear in more of a circle than a V. Often the color and arrangements of the lights changed as they watched. In a few cases, reports put the object at two distant locations at the same time, suggesting there might be more than one of them. I mean, I just assume that, but I think it needed to be said. The object also seemed to be interested in bodies of water. One observer watched the UFO over Croton, Croton falls reservoir where it seems to use a red beam to probe the surface there is an article that was published in the Westchester Rockland Daily Item on March 26, 1983 that I'm going to read once I find it. Hundreds claim to have seen UFO by E.B. Walzer, staff writer. In Yorkton, people don't usually call the police when visitors arrive from out of town, as long as they aren't from outer space. Thursday night, Yorkton town police and neighboring departments were flooded with calls from people who said they had seen strange lights in the sky. An unidentified flying object. The descriptions of the object matched those given exactly a week earlier by people in Putnam County who had reported seeing lights over Interstate 84. The lights, callers said, were arranged in a V shape and appeared to be placed along the edges of a large triangular flying craft. More than 100 calls were received Thursday night, mostly by police in New York Town, but also in Newcastle, Mount Kisco, Carmel, and Putnam Valley.
0: I did not know there was a New York town.
1: No. Yorktown. Just okay. Yorktown. Yorktown patrolman Kevin Sarovia saw the lights twice within a 45 minute period Thursday night. First was when I was on Route 118, Sarovia said. A craft was traveling south. At first, I thought it was a large transport aircraft. It had six or eight lights on it, and the thing was huge it looked like it stopped and it turned and looked like it went perpendicular to the ground. I then saw red, blue, and green lights on it. Then it swerved and went in the other direction. At first I thought it was a dirigible because it seemed to be floating but a dirigible couldn't have moved. Dirigible. Dirigible. That's the article that was published and Servia comes up a little bit later in the.
0: That straight up reminds me of uh, like just Chelsea type in dirigible into your search engine and that is an airship.
1: Oh yeah, that's uh what do they call?
0: A zeppelin. Zeppelin. A blimp.
1: That is definitely a blimp. Okay, I didn't know that they went by that name. we still use blimps?
0: There's very few left in the world.
1: I've never seen one. On with the article. Servia, the police officer, comes up later in the episode. This article that I just read to you gets a lot of attention from a research group associated with J. L. and Hynek, which we will remember from such projects as Project Sign and Project Blue Book, and then such centers as the Center for UFO Studies. This group starts an investigation on the sightings and later becomes a book entitled Night Siege, the Hudson Valley UFO Sightings, which was authored by J. L. and Hynek, Philip J. Ambrogno, and and Bob Pratt. As a side note, between me and you, nobody else. Listen, I've previously enjoyed Philip J. Brogno. I've read a few of his books. However, I believe there's something there between himself and Jay Allen Heineck that we may want to look into. For
0: a you mean like a now. love connection?
1: No, it's more of a love-hate connection. I think. I think he was up to asshole things. Uh, it's all hearsay I've heard it in passing but I think it might be a good episode to do well he will
0: go onto the list
1: Yeah, I can't remember if I put it there or not but when listening to this episode I will do that so everyone can start listening again. When these guys open a UFO hotline due with the sightings, they receive over 300 calls for just the date alone of March 24th. So it leads us to another sighting. And a UFO is now known as an UAP, in case you're confused. There's a UFO that moves up the Taconic Parkway, which is a road, I think, in a sort of zed like pattern and described the craft as being, you guessed it, triangular shape with 30 to 40 colored lights along the back edge huge as if there's such a thing as a flying city Exquisite. was it people were pulling over off the parkway to watch the object as it slowly moved through the sky march 24th remember that's the sighting that this is side note on this at this point i'm questioning my own mental thought process someone says triangle ufo to you taylor what do you think of
0: the arizona sighting
1: so you're thinking of the same thing they're describing here like a v V shape or boomerang shape. Yeah, I have never in my life thought of a triangle UFO as that shape. I thought three D, like literal triangle, like a pyramid. Yeah.
0: Okay. No, I always thought it as more like a B two bomber like fairly narrow.
1: So I'm starting to realize that I've been picturing these UFOs wrong the whole time.
0: Kelsey, a pyramid and a triangle are different things.
1: That's a triangle, is it not though?
0: Well, a pyramid is a three-dimensional triangle, but it can be of different bases.
1: You're right, because if it was a pyramid, you would say pyramid so that people pictured it in their minds correctly, right?
0: Yeah. I would hope. (laughs) Yeah. Although that wouldn't work that well because there's many different pyramid shapes and we'd only be seeing the bottom and only so many pyramids are triangular on the bottom whereas they can have as many sides as you really want.
1: Only if you were looking straight up at it though, right?
0: It's dark so you can only really see it from the bottom. And the Egyptian pyramids are four-sided. Technically six-sided, I believe, but four-sided. So if you saw from the bottom, you would say it's a flying square. (laughs) Yeah, that's
1: true. So this has been eye-opening to me. I have thinking of UFOs that are triangle-shaped wrong my whole entire life. They've found out, and the way they described it in this sighting. So I was a little bit shaken by that. Let's go back to the sighting. The object then cruises over the community of Yorktown, probably in the Hudson Valley, but I did not fact check that. So it could be in Connecticut where the police were so overrun with reports that they were concerned they weren't going to be able to take emergency calls. This was also being called in to these guys who set up the UFO hotline. Whoever someone can call their calling to make the report about this sighting. Lots of people saw it. Another report. In includes a group of guards at the Indian Point nuclear power plant, where a UFO slash UAP hovered over one of the active nuclear reactors for some minutes, coming as close to the reactor dome as 30 feet. Now that is fucking close. The security supervisor even considered ordering guards to shoot it down. One guard described it as being the length of three football fields. I would assume that's fairly accurate being that this was 30 feet off the ground. Like, that's huge. I can't even wrap my head around that. Again, why would you be like, shoot it down?
0: Would that not cover like the whole base? Wouldn't
1: it? I feel like something's off here, but this is what... I'm just relaying information at this point. Thirty feet off the ground is close,
0: and 300 yards long, like a thousand feet. Block
1: out the sun. You're right. That is big. That's the sighting. That I'm just relaying the information here. Someone may be bad at guesstimating things. Is my guess.
0: See that thing 30 feet away. Holy
1: shit! It's just like the guessing of weight. dennis sand who worked in the local government had his own sighting march 17 1983 from his home in brewster new york it was a very large object the structure of it was very dark gray metallic almost girder type looking no idea what that means objects seemed to be very silent lights were iridescently bright they stood out in the sky and three dimension it looked like a city of lights it just hung in the sky all brilliant colors we followed the object around to the backyard at that point a feeling of fright came upon me thoughts started to flood my mind thoughts of the craft touching ground thoughts of an encounter with an alien being thoughts of being abducted all types of fearful thoughts started to enter my mind end quote super creepy on that one yeah That's his sighting. That's kind of the only one that I have that is that way. I wanted to include it because it's very creepy. I feel like this guy was probably abducted just based on that description of what he encountered. Another sighting by Andy Sadoff of the Newcastle Police had his own encounter while on patrol. I was working- this is him talking, this isn't me. I never had this experience. I was working 4 p.m. to midnight tour and assigned to set up some radar to look for speeding cars and I looked up into the sky and saw a series of lights. At first I thought it was a plane. It was quite a distance, quite far away, but it was. It really was quite large. As I recall, there were mostly white lights, but there were green lights also. It was alternating green and white lights. It approached my vehicle and it stopped and seemed to hover. And I'm looking at this thing thinking, what is it? I wasn't afraid. I was just amazed and I was in awe of it. I didn't know what it was. The only thing I recall the most is I was amazed that there was no noise. There is no humming. There is no engine. There is no sound. It was absolutely silent. I feel like I'd be a little unsettled that I would see it coming and then it just stops over my car. At virtually the same time, Ed Burns, who's a computer engineer and senior manager for IBM, was driving home on the Taconic Parkway, 10 miles north of Officer Sadoff's location. This is Ed quoting here. Out of nowhere, I got a lot of static on the radio. I thought maybe I was looking on the wrong number and then I went over to turn the dial again and that's when I looked up and saw this. Craft, it was a triangular ship. Sorry, I gotta interrupt this quote. I'm still picturing a freaking pyramid, (laughs) it's not ever gonna leave my head because that's how I learned it. Back to the quote, and the back had to be as large as a football field at least, and there was no noise. So, Ed, those
0: damn Americans always using football fields.
1: They do like to measure things in football fields. That's part of the what do they use the metric system.
0: We use the metric. It's the imperial system.
1: Opposite of metric. That's what they use football fields.
0: It's just not metric. They will never use metric.
1: (laughs) Join the rest of the world, you guys. So Ed pulled off the highway and joined a group of motorists by the side of the road. According to Ed, they were all staring at the sky, seemingly dumbstruck. I would call it starstruck. That just makes sense say at this point, right? Dumbstruck starstruck. Quote, I'm not into astronomy but what I had witnessed that night was not from this planet. End quote. Eyewitness reports indicate the object was slowly moving north over the Hudson River Valley. Officer Sadoff and at least 12 other cars saw it in Newcastle. Ten minutes later, Ed Burns and at least 20 motorists saw it near Millwood. Ten minutes later after that, the phones began ringing off the hook in the police station in Yorktown. Officer William Wolf Jr. was the dispatcher on duty that night. Quote, every line kept going, every single line, constantly answering the phone. Another line would light up. I'd answer the next line and another would light up. Got to the point the country parkway stopped. The people were out of their cars. It was starting to get really crazy. I tried calling the cars to find out if they saw anything and the only one that called, Kevin, said that he would stop in. So here's Kevin Cervia. Officer Kevin Cervia arrived a few minutes later and testified that he had seen the object twice in a four- 45-minute period. He also saw the lights reported by dozens of Yorktown residents. This is the guy from the article. This is that same sighting. "Quote: The object was extremely large. I estimated it to be close to 300 to 400 yards wide. We stood out in front facing to the north and approximately about 5 minutes later the object began to appear from the northern horizon. Officer Servia, convinced that he saw a large object with a numbers of light. He says I would say approximately 16-18 lights running in a V formation approximately 200 to 400 yards wide, repeating what he just said in the previous quote. Obviously, he's talking to a lot of news outlets. I was standing between the lights to see any type of solid structure where he may have basically been staring at the lights himself. R. V had described the object stop mid-air and turn perpendicular before reversing course and heading away from view. That's one large sighting that happened one night over like a major highway, I'm assuming, where multiple people saw I'm going to move on to a couple other sightings from the waves that happened. I got this one from Reddit from somebody asking if anybody had actually witnessed the events from the Hudson Valley wave. Reddit user 10-54EDP relayed his sighting. He says, I saw these UFOs twice in the early mid-1980s in the lower Hudson Valley. The first was on the Taconic State Parkway in the area of Yorktown Putnam Valley. It was triangular slash boomerang shape. It was a couple of miles from me and looked quite impressive. I never got close to it and I was in a moving car. My view was not very good. The second sighting was in Putnam County and on Route 6 near the Carmel-Mahopec border, probably a month or two after the first sighting. I was much closer this time and I was alongside a reservoir. I was able to stop and get out of the car for a stationary look. It looked impressive. A bunch of lights, flying in a large boomerang shape but as I got closer I began to hear the drone of the engines which got louder the closer I got. I also noticed as it got closer that I could see stars between the lights of this craft. This object was not solid. These lights, while appearing to be a solid object in the distance, became to look like separate lights flying in formation as it got closer. At times, slight variations in speed and distance between the lights were observable, making the formation vary. At a distance, this looked good, but once it was closer, the illusion fell apart, revealing itself to be the prank it was. I believe it was several ultralights with bright lights flying in formation. So he
0: didn't even think there was a structure behind it.
1: Yes, kind of. There's obviously some structures, but it was coming It was together. lights in
0: formation, not necessarily yeah. like with a rigid grid touching them, though.
1: Yeah. Now, I'm huh. going to touch kind of on this.
0: I just want to say quickly while we're still on yeah. the subject, that could be flares from a plane. Because we've seen that explanation before. They don't stay in formation, but that would likely be an explanation that's going to be put forward, is
1: my guess. It's not, actually. Oh, okay. I've never seen flares as an explanation for this. Interesting. So clearly this guy does seem, I mean, ultralights are planes, I believe. He has two separate sightings in this are a part of an explanation for this, which I will get to right after this last sighting. So just pin that. This sighting comes from Sherry Williams, October 28th, 2022. She, this forth. that's not when the sighting happened. She was driving south on the Taconic from Sommer's exit to Osinning FD, where I volunteered on ambulance duty while going to paramedic school in White Plains. All of these places, no idea where she's talking about, but you have the information. It's been so many years past, but I saw this huge sky filling thing over the parkway. The immensity of it and no sound and closeness to the ground made me pull over to the shoulder, get out and stand there looking at it. I can't remember if it was dusk or dark, but this giant triangular shape was black and blotted out the sky. It was way bigger than the highway lanes north and south. Other cars were pulling off and people walking around in groups or singly to view whatever this was. A football field or two couldn't be a good measure. To me, it was almost horizon size, not moving, no sound at all. Holy crap, that would be scary. I don't remember if there were lights on it. I must have moved off because I drove to Osinning thinking whatever that was it was crazy. I was intrigued but not frightened at all. The next day my next door neighbor Gail called me and she knew I was on the Taconic because her daughter Kimmy babysat my kids that night. Gail worked for AT&T and it spotted a notice in the paper asking if you saw the thing to call this number. It was an 800 number. Gail decided to check out what that number was associated to and it was listed as being a number to a Chinese laundry. At that time, only government had 800 numbers or ritzy places, so we were worried even about calling it. We didn't. Gail, by the way, was on her way back home from work and pulled off the Taconic to watch this thing. So we both saw it about the place North and South Lines. I wish I could remember more, but raising five kids sort of burnt out my brain (laughs) long-term memory.
0: (laughs) That makes it a real sighting. Yeah. Right there.
1: We have some pretty major sightings of these huge UFOs flying all over the place in the Hudson Valley. Most of the major ones that got so many witnesses were the ones that were flying over this parkway. It was a highway.
0: And Um, Chelsea, I just wanted to say, I looked up what an ultralight is. Do you remember that movie Fly Away Home with like Jeff Daniels and that girl flying the geese? Oh, sure do. Yeah, those are ultralights. They are? They're like gliders with an engine.
1: For some reason, I didn't think those existed in real life. (laughs) Neither
0: did I, but here they are. Ultralights.
1: So you put forth the flares. I think it's funny that that never came up Because that is a major explanation of the Phoenix Lights. So I'm shocked at that. The major thing on this one is... Planes. Investigators did find evidence that some of the reports of the V-shape may have been a group of small planes flying out of Stormville Airport, as we saw on that one Reddit explanation. You could see spots between it. The pilots seem to have been flying their planes information in a deliberate attempt for a UFO hoax with all these sightings going on. Plane hoax only clears up a small number of reports in this overall period of time when mass amounts of people are what's the word? experiencing
0: it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: seeing. (laughs) Having these sightings. Again, my English is gone today. Most observers reported that the lights moved together as a solid object and they couldn't see through it. It was all part of one big craft. Others could see the body of the UFO between the lights.
0: That also, it just seems incredibly dangerous to be doing this hoax at night. That just seems like a terrible idea.
1: It's America, so I would suspect people to be idiotic enough to do it. But you bring up a good point, especially if it's like a light aircraft, like fly away home. You're not gonna see the people next to you if you're trying to do formations. It seems like a tough
0: And it's not like radar is gonna help you fly in formation. Like a lot of that yeah. has to be done visually. <laughs>
1: yeah none of the observers who had seen both the planes and the object thought they were the same phenomenon so obviously based on that statement there were people who saw both Heinick also said that researchers were fighting a publicity war with the military because military officials sought to ridicule anyone who reported a sighting no pilots ever came forward on this hoax and were named in regards to that good explanations. For most of the Hudson Valley sightings, the only object that moves slowly through the air and hovers most silently is a blimp. Whatever that weird word... Origible. Also known as I'll never remember that word for the rest of my life. Researchers contacted all blimp operators because it's a dying art in the area and could find no matches between the blimp schedules and the UFO reports.
0: By the way, Chelsea, how many blimps do you think are left in the world?
1: I believe we've talked about this and it's probably like three.
0: There's 25 and half of them are actually operational. Really? Yeah.
1: So the odds of it being that are...
0: Well, this was the 80s. So, different
1: times. that of them were operational. Yes. <laughs> they were so popular, though. No one could find any matches between the blimp schedules and the UFO reports. I don't know whether blimps do fly at night. And it was widely speculated at the time that the object was a formation of ultralight planes. It seems unlikely, even what we were just saying. As the UFO was nearly silent, could hover, and carried tremendously bright lights, all things ultralight aircraft are incapable of doing. Apparently they're incapable of a whole lot so in my book
0: the only thing they can do is fly geese to where they uh,
1: migrate (laughs) in my mind that that is their ideal use to disguise as a goose But yeah, that's the end of the episode. That was a couple interesting sightings for the Hudson Valley UFO wave. Although Um, one
0: thing I would say for the slow moving nature of it is if there was a strong wind, it could slow them down and basically make them like not moving in the sky. If they're an ultra ultra
1: light. light. Yeah. Because it's so light, of course. Yeah. You have to move with the wind.
0: (laughs) So that could help with that explanation. (laughs)
1: If they're going against the wind, they could ever.
0: Yep. (laughs) Strong enough wind. It would also explain the erratic (laughs) nature of it, too. Although staying in formation (laughs) in that would be next to impossible.
1: That's so funny.
0: In the middle of night.
1: (laughs) I like that. Thank you for bringing that to her. You're welcome.
0: But just remember, they got to get those geese home somehow. They do. Even at night.
1: (laughs) Nobody noticed any squawking of geese, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that automatically rules it out they're noisy fuckers so that's my episode in my opinion this is something interesting here yes. yes it's interesting we're not gonna leave you with disappointment on this one other than some of them could have been ultralight aircraft <laughs> hovering there yes. because they're going against the <laughs> A sudden gust of wind. But other than that, good sightings. I think something happened. I can't imagine seeing a UFO, UAP of that size without it being unnerving. Everyone seemed okay with it, though.
0: Yeah, and I think the best thing about this episode is we have managed to avoid it being associated with a genocide. So I guess it's still young in its life. So we'll see what happens with it. I was it.
1: just going to say, I couldn't miss Yet. that part. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, any last parting thoughts?
0: It just I'm curious because only that one guy said it was dirigible-like. Overall, it does seem to have the same nature as the airship wave. Slow moving. However, its shape is distinctly different. So it's interesting. And the more we look at waves like this, I think we might see some similarities and key differences as we've only looked at a couple. So I'm excited to look at more.
1: Yeah, me too. Me too. Because
0: I'm so far have not been disappointed by airship waves or UFO (laughs) waves.
1: (laughs) Yeah, true. So that's reason enough to keep with it. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing the same kind of explanations come up with them. And every so often we get a new explanation. I look forward to the next explanation on the next wave.
0: in the meantime i have been taylor here with chelsea we are journey to the fringe thank you all for listening and we'll see you next week okay. thank you for listening to journey to the fringe if you have liked what you have listened to please like share subscribe or follow depending on what